Good morning, Newcom, and welcome to today's Sunday gathering. You can find a recording of today's discussion on SoundCloud and on iTunes, as well as a kid's lesson and written liturgy on our website at new-community.com. We hope you are well, and we look forward to worshiping with you this morning. Hi, new community. It's Julie, and I am here to share with you an update in some staffing changes that we have here currently at New Community. As you know, last year we hired Melanie Scott to be our interim youth director, and she has done an absolutely incredible job of loving our students and caring for them and investing in them and creating a safe space for them to be who they are and ask questions about their faith and to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Um, If you have been around Melanie for any amount of time, you will have immediately noticed and recognized the love that she has for Jesus and the love that she has for middle school students and for high school students. Uh, She's been an incredible blessing to us, and we are just so grateful for her time here at New Community. What you may not have known is that Melanie was working part-time for New Community and part-time with her husband in a business that they have been building Um, 2020 has been an interesting year for everyone and due to the unexpected impacts of COVID and the challenges inherent in running a business, uh, 2020 has resulted in Melanie needing to go back full time to the business that she is building with her husband, Kyle. Now this is sad because we love Melanie, um, At the same time, Melanie and Kyle are still going to be an active part of our community and involved and love our students, and that's not changing. (laughs) They are still here. Um, And so we are incredibly grateful for that. And at the same time, we are trusting the spirit. And so as Mel steps down from the role of youth director, her and our greatest desire would be to continue in the work that she has started. Uh, Our leadership team has been meeting to discuss plans with moving forward and we are beginning conversations with candidates who could care for our youth in the way that Mel has over this past year. And as we progress in this search to fill the youth role, we will keep you all updated and informed. And in the meantime, if you have any questions at all, please, as always, do not hesitate to reach out uh, and ask. And we will continue to keep you in the loop as we move forward. Thank you, new community. We love you and hope that you have an amazing week. New community, I want to give you a quick update on Renee Beaupre. Some of you in our community may know her, others of you may not. She's been a part of our community for about 10 years now. And um, some of you will know her because several years back, uh, she got sick, real sick. Uh, In fact, um, came to me after going into the doctor, feeling sick and found out she had stage four cancer. Cancer had been in her backbone and into her brain and in her lungs and pretty much anywhere you can imagine it being, that's where they found cancer. And I remember having a pretty candid conversation with her where she really wrestled with the idea of, do I fight this? 
or do I not? And she chose to fight it. And we as a community rallied around her. Uh, we called her forward. We prayed over her, laid hands on her. Uh, she was given four months to live and our community surrounded her with love, prayed over her, and then a miracle happened. Uh, she fully recovered, went into full remission, and um, had the most unbelievable story to tell of faith. And a few years go by, and over those few years, uh, God has done some amazing things in her life. And then just a couple months ago, uh, the cancer came back. And her and I had another conversation. Uh, do you want to fight again, or do you want to be free? And she chose to be free. And she chose to not fight it and to enjoy the remainder of the days that God would give her on earth. And a couple weeks ago, uh, she traveled to family back in the Midwest, got to see all of her uh, extended family, uh, got to spend time with her father and just had a sweet um, and enjoyable time kind of saying goodbye and recalling fond memories. And uh, then this week she returned back home and, um, and then got sick. Uh, pretty quickly things deteriorated. Uh, just a few days ago, she went into hospice, and just a couple days ago now, uh, she passed. And she moved into a new reality. She's free. And the cancer that was ravaging her body is no more. And she is, as we often say, in a far better place and communing with Jesus in a way that we have yet to experience. And so some of you that know her, I know are asking, will she have a service? And she's chosen to forgo a service. Uh, didn't want to do that, especially in the condition in which we find ourselves with uh, COVID and uh, didn't want to put others at risk. And so Renee is foregoing a service, but I just want to say that she was deeply loved by our community. Whether you knew her or not, she was well loved. And over the last few years, she grew more in her faith and moved into a place of incredible spiritual health, more so than ever before in her life. And while her spiritual journey has her coming to Newcom, not knowing Jesus, and then trusting Jesus, and then being loved on by a community, having a miracle happen in her life for full recovery, and then now a new miracle, a miracle to go and be present with the Lord. And so, new community, I wanted to pass that news on to you. Uh, you can be praying for her family praying for people in our community that have loved and cared for her for some time. Um, but I also want to just say, new community, continue to love people well. Continue to invest. Continue to encourage them to love Jesus and others with all of their heart. Because the ways that we love each other, the ways that we treat one another, um, reveal not only who Jesus is, but mean that the life we live actually matters. And that the days that we have that are numbered ahead of us 
are ones that count. And then when it is our turn to go and be with Renee, that we're ready. So new community, continue to love people well and invite people to follow Jesus. worship comes from Luke 178 through 79. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into, into the way of peace. Let's pray. Merciful God, we come to worship longing for tenderness because this world can be hard. We come longing for light because our lives are crowded with shadows, become desperately needing direction. Fill us this morning with your grace. Your spirit is our peace and our path. Amen. community confession. Out of the depths we cry to God, in our confusion, suffering, and in our pain. Out of the depths God cries to us, asking us to repent, to return to God with our whole hearts, to admit our sin, and to accept forgiveness. This is our prayer. Holy God, hear our prayer. For the mending of our hearts, torn apart by our unkindness, for the healing of our souls, wasting away from the indifference within us, for the forgiveness we seek for the sin we have allowed to persist, for the reconciliation of the world whose division pains us. We pray for the courage to admit our fault, the strength to amend our actions, and the hope that your grace awaits us. Through Christ we pray, amen. Good morning, new community. It is good to have you at the podcast, and we are excited about today's topic. As many people know, we have been uh, shifting into a new series. We're a couple weeks in now at this point. Um, the series is called The In-Between. And for five weeks, what we're doing is looking at this unique space and time in which we are and asking ourselves the question, what does it look like for us to be the church? Not to go to church, not to attend church, not to uh, sit in and listen to 
uh, something online or watch a service, but to really ask ourselves, what is it required of us to be the church in this in-between? And so you might remember on the first week we talked about the problem, what it is we are facing, and why we at times abdicate our um, spiritual growth to the religious goods and services we consume. Last week, we talked a little bit about the idea of lament, and yet speaking into this idea of hope. And then for this week, the focus is to look at our inner life, the fact that growth in Christ um, is so essential to our walk with God. Uh, We're also going to look a little bit this week at emotional, healthy spirituality. How do we deal uh, in our own inner life with the things that God is kind of stirring? Uh, So you might have wounds from the past, you might have insecurities, you might have challenges that you're facing that, that God is allowing to surface in a way that we are being asked to deal with. And so this week we're looking at the inner life, and I have the unique opportunity to have a good friend of mine join the podcast. And so Dan Downing is with us, and uh, we are going to find out just a moment, a little bit about Dan, and I'm going to give him a a chance to talk about that. Then we'll jump into our passage and then into our conversation for the morning. So Dan, welcome. Glad to have you on the podcast. Um, Dan, would you, just for community members who might not know you, uh, can you give us a quick summary who you are, and how long you've been at Newcom. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me, Russ. Um, yeah, I've been with at Newcom uh, most recently for the last probably three and a half years, maybe four, um, but was at New Community um, prior to Branches being planted, and then went out uh, when Branches was planted, so I had some time out there. Um, but yeah, been back for, for a while now and enjoying it. Yeah. So back in the day, what, 2007, when yes. I moved here, you were part of the community, and uh, and then God called you to join Branches, and that was awesome, and it's been a blast to have you back. Yes. So uh, we are looking at, like I said, uh, the inner work of spiritual formation. And I want to take us to a passage really quick before Dan and I jump into some questions back and forth. Passages in Psalms chapter 1. It is the uh, kind of the gateway to the Psalter, as they say. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, obviously, there is a strong contrast between the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And we want to specifically look at the way of the righteous here for a moment. The psalmist describes the righteous as trees planted by streams of water that yield fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In many ways, I think that describes the two parts of ourself that we're going to look at this week and next week. First part being the inner self, the next part being the external. Uh, So this idea of bearing fruit would be external, that something coming from within 
expresses itself externally. And the fruit of that, as the text says, is yielded in season. But the part we want to focus on this morning that I think is so essential, before you can have the fruit, you have to have the tree rooted in something and planted by streams of water. And obviously, we know the streams of water, that the source of life is Christ himself. And yet, the roots have to be planted deep. And so this morning, we want to talk about some of those roots. We want to talk about the inner work of spiritual formation, the stuff that has to happen on the inside with the work of Christ in order for us to be the kind of people that yield fruit in season. So, Dan, just to start our conversation, uh, when you think of inner work, how would you define it, or what elements do you feel are most essential? When I think of inner work, I think about uh, uh, the phrase, you know, story. What's your story? Um, as I've been thinking about participating in this podcast, I'm, uh, I'm aware of some jargon or phrasing that, that rolls off the tongue, and if this type of a topic uh, is something that maybe you're not uh, embracing or kind of maybe push it off as something that really isn't for you or is it something that you necessarily want to engage with, some of those terms could be maybe a little off-putting or feel a little too, I don't know, what's the phrase, woo-woo-y? Like we're not trying to be fluffy with the language, but really it's about your story. You know, um, if you have a relationship with the Lord, there was most likely probably an encounter or some type of a, a decision point where you decided that uh, being a follower of Christ um, looks like this for me, and this is what God's invited me into. And there's a there's a surrender to that. Mm. And when you surrender your life to Christ, um, there's a, uh, a listening. There mm. is a holding space for what God wants to say to you. Uh, you learn how to hear his voice how he speaks to you, um, and and you get insight into who he's created you to be, and that often requ- requires refinement. Mm-hmm. Um, it requires uh, an examination of yourself. Um, it requires a uh, a willingness to essentially daily submit yourself uh, to the cross and say, you know, what do you have for me? And I think that we find that the Lord. And the Spirit brings things up in our lives about ourselves that we need to work through. Um, so that's a really broad way to answer it. Um, but I think, uh, depending on where you're at in your life, and you know, if you're, you know, a younger person, a teenager, or you're in your 20s, your 30s, or and on the way up, you know, that work never stops. Um, you know, there's obviously common themes. I think of as seasons of life of the type of work most people typically go through. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know that it always gets easier. I think it's a constant submission uh, to, to do that. And that's not out of a compulsory obligation uh, that we're like, you know, not uh, fully loved by who we, by God for who we are and, and where we're at, because he's always meeting us where we're at. But it's a desire to, um, I think, to, to see yourself as whole and complete in him and the things that are... A struggle or that bring you heartache um, or that just aren't working well in your life um, I think those are the things that we constantly struggle with mm-hmm. and we're constantly trying to, to get better even absent us a relationship with the Lord 
our, our whole society is, is, is really into self-help and really into how do I become more effective? How do I become more loving? How do I become, you know, a better person? Um, but I think when we talk about inner work uh, as it relates as believers, um, I think it goes a little bit, I think it goes a little bit deeper because I think God, uh, puts in our heart a desire to rise above some yes. of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, that can be, I don't know, that can be intimidating. Um, and it can be a little bit challenging, I think at times to, yeah. to, to step into that. As you were speaking, the verse that kind of came to mind when Christ calls his disciples to follow him, he then says, um, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And what you're describing is some of that, right? That process of um, the big word would be sanctification. That process of becoming more like Christ is a deny yourself. It's a take up your cross. So there's some work to be done. It's going to, there's going to be moments that are painful. It's daily. Like you can't just push this off and hope to do it in the future or ah, I'll get to that tomorrow. And then uh, follow me, right? Like this, this is a, a process. And what you're describing, I think, is that movement of spiritual formation in our life. But all the words you're using right now are intensely personal, right? So um, in order for this important, lasting work to be accomplished in our heart, it is intensely personal interior work, right? So when you think about this idea of the inner work being intense and personal, what does that look like for you or what does that look like for someone in general? Um, well, I think, I, th I think there's always parts of our, of our life and our story that, you know, we're trying to put off and, and, and rise above, grow beyond. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of our story that, that goes back to our, kind of our formative years of where we identify how we see ourselves and how we interpret how the world sees us. Mm -hmm. um, and I know in my own experience that, you know, work I did, inner work that I did, you know, in my late 20s into my 30s, as much as you want to say that it doesn't connect back to those kind of formative years, uh, in my experience, there's no avoiding it, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's your life, it's your story, yep. and it's built upon time. Um, so, you know, some of you listening, you know, maybe you're trying to see yourself uh, in what that inner inner work looks like. But my understanding, or I should say, my assumption is that there's probably something nagging on you right now that is the thing, right? That's your inner work. That's the thing that you are either actively engaging in and trying to hold better. Uh, there's the work that you know you need to do, but you haven't found the courage maybe to step into it. Um, there may be work that you know you need to do, your spouse knows you need to do, your family knows you need to do, and you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and that isn't to shame anybody or uh, make that like you're failing. It, I think it just speaks to it is deeply personal and is very challenging to do. Um, and I, I've learned in my experience, I've had um, seasons where uh, unpacking life and, and deciding to jump into that kind of work um, is, 
literally like probably one of the most courageous things I've done. Hmm. Um, and so if you're going to step into this for yourself, it's, it's a lot of courage because um, you're, you're basically taking something of your heart, of your story that you've kind of hidden, right? You're holding and you're not putting it, bring it into the light. You're not bringing it out in the open right. where you can talk about it. And I think that it, it's a huge step. And my hope from this conversation is that you won't feel other than or like this is unique to you, that this is a difficult thing uh, to examine your life in such a way, um, but that you would hopefully feel encouraged and supported and, and know that um, you, know, you can do this. Yeah. Well, we're all doing the inner work. We have right. to, right? Because if we don't, uh, we're not actually growing. And while there's times we want to push it off and kind of ignore it or not do that work, um, I think the spirit has a unique way of resurfacing it, right? So I, I tell people this a lot. Uh, I used to talk with the interns about these moments in life where God allows something to come to the surface in my life. And I know that the spirit's saying, it's time to deal with this, right? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's an issue of relationship. Maybe it's, and, and I try to, tuck it back away. I try to say, I'll save it for another day. I'll try to, and there's times the spirit is gracious enough and God is a gentle enough that he allows me to, uh, think that I'm tucking it away from late for a later day. And then he allows another circumstance to come into my life that continues to surface it and gently reminds me like, it's not going away. You have to do the work. And I think when you say it's personal, Part of what I'm assuming you're saying is that the work he's asking of you, Dan, is different than the work he's asking of me. So unpack that a little bit. Like, um, is that helpful for people to hear that maybe he's asking something different of them than someone else? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, all of our stories are unique. Um, I think when we don't bring up those things to our community um, so that we can see that they're still there, they're still looking at us and they have a chance to relate with you um, or lean in and say, hey, um, can I ask you some questions about that? Because maybe maybe that's not been their experience, but they mm -hmm. wanna know how to show up for you. Um, I'm a big fan of the phrase love well. Like I think if you have a really great community um, and if you're a part of, of new community, right? There's wonderful people here that that really want to love you well and yeah. and and want to know how to show up for you. Um, so I would say that our inner work that we feel called to do is unique to us, but inner work isn't unique to you. It, it, everyone has it to do. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned. Um, and we might get into this later on, but you mentioned um, the importance of community. You mentioned vulnerability. So, like, the reason I know you have inner work to do is because we're all human and we all have it to do, right? And God is doing work in you. He even says that he won't stop until the day of completion, that what he started, the good work he started in you, he will bring to completion, right? So we can assume that's true for everyone. But I really don't know your inner work until you're vulnerable enough with me to share it. Yeah. And then on top of that, 
I really don't know how to love you well unless you're vulnerable enough to tell me what you need in order to love you well. Um, do you find that from your experience that, that people maybe don't know how to love others well or do you find that people just at times aren't willing to share how best to be loved? Um, I think I think there are people who, like we say that phrase, love well and it makes sense. But if I define loving well, I think it's an absence of yourself because you're really trying to understand where the other person is coming from. And then you're asking yourself, how do I show up from the how do I show up for them in a way that is is a significant thing for them, that's meaningful yeah. and meets the need. But in a way that's healthy. So I also ask myself, well, I know that that's what they I'm assuming that's what they need, that's what I feel. Right. But is that something I can actually offer. Right. Um, and I think loving well is trying to ask those questions and then showing up as fully as you can for that individual and, you know, boundaries and all of, all of that that goes sure. with it. But, sure. but that, yeah, that's how I, I would define it. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned this idea that this is the work we have to do on our own. Um, it's a work that we can't kind of abdicate to somebody else or allow somebody else to take the responsibility for now, what does it look like to take responsibility for our own work? If you were to kind of define or describe that, what would you what would you say? It's all I can think of it is my own experience of. I mean, you had kind of said like I don't want to deal with this right now, so you set it aside, and mm -hmm. then creatively. God presents another situation where it kind of is back in front of your face again. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think jumping into inner work for yourself probably means that there is a pattern that you have seen, a circumstance, or, and maybe this is a behavior that you need to work on and change, but maybe this is just like a real heart need. Like maybe this is something that's just a deeply um, painful and, and you want to explore it, but you don't know how to express it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's sort of a, a jumping off point um, where you just kind of have to take the leap and, and, and hope that you can find the, uh, the assistance that you, that you want and need. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, would, I was trying to think about how vulnerable I wanted to be uh, on this podcast, but, you know, I'll uh, share a little bit uh, about my own inner work. Uh, you know, for, for a long time, really struggled to see myself as a man among men, I'll put it, mm -hmm. um, as a someone who's wired with a lot of emotional intelligence and a high communicator and was always kind of an old soul growing up. It wasn't really a very uh, great school experience, especially high school years were really tough. Um, and then just found it really difficult to... Um, I guess feel like I connected and saw myself as sort of with my peer group, essentially. Mm -hmm. I always felt very uh, other than uh, in that regard. Um, so I really poured myself into work um, and career, and but that, that, that itch never really went away. Mm. Um, and it was a real, um, it was really challenging uh, to decide like, hey, I wanna, I wanna go unpack this and why um, I choose to see myself this way, mm -hmm. um, and you know why this is uh, so painful. Because like I know that's not true. 
Right. But I still had to go jump into that work and, and look at that and and, and see that. Um, so yeah, it was it was tough. Um, I had a lot of opportunities where it was like I probably just need to go meet with a therapist and just kind of unpack um, the past and help get a better perspective on myself. And that was probably my late thirties. I'll be forty six in December. Um, so. Yeah, it was, it was challenging. And the way that I kind of described that work for me was it really looked like I was kind of standing on the edge of a, a cliff with a lot of fog. And I mm. could f- basically, I knew God was calling me to jump and trust him. Mm. Um, and it was just honestly reaching out and making a phone call to just be like, hey, I want to unpack some things from my past and my life because um, I really want to move past this. Mm. Like, I know these things aren't true, um, but yet they are kind of, a rudder that I think has has steered my life and has steered a lot of ways that I, mm. I've chosen to see myself, uh, in in uh, in my community, um, and then making that known to some of my friends. It was an opportunity for them to be like, you know, I've never thought that. I've never, yeah. you know, like you're more than enough. Yeah. Um, so and I don't know. And those of you that know me that may not know that about me might feel the same way about it. But I. Th- think that's kind of sometimes what inner work looks like is you don't really know what the other person's going through right and then there's sometimes just shame about putting it out there and sure saying hey this is where I'm at um, this is this is challenging um, there's a because part of that is the, the our own things the things we're working with they have been in our life for so long that they are continuing in our mind to grow and grow and grow in what appears to be a monster on the inside to me yeah it if shared with you you might be like oh, oh whoa I didn't even know that's right a big deal let's talk it through right um, but be, because it's been with you so long it, it kind of grows in its importance if that makes sense yeah absolutely well and I you know having grown up in the church I had a really great experience in the church growing up um, and I just want to I, I guess kind of preface it's it's easy on podcasts and and when we speak of our own church experience, I don't want to do like a broad paintbrush, a brush stroke over uh, everyone's church experience right. because it, it, it's deeply personal and varied. But, you know, there is sort of a idea that, you know, if I'm in relationship with the Lord and I'm praying and I'm doing the right things, that that should be enough. Um, and sometimes there's stigma about choosing to engage other people in your work. Um, and I have found the, that, you know, God meets us there and he uses his people to um, shepherd and care for us, uh, his hands and feet. That includes therapists. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like yeah. mental health, uh, for sure. Uh, so there, there isn't any shame and there's actually a ton of freedom um, in showing up and saying, hey, I want to engage you um, on some work I want to unpack. And, you know, if I can give some thoughts on what it looks like to find a therapist is, you know, you're interviewing them as much as, as you're hoping uh, that they'll be able to engage your story and work with you. Mm. You can drive that, you know, yeah. you can say, I'm going to find someone that I feel like I want to take a chance with and then just let them know, like, I want to meet once a week for a month and let's talk. And then you make a decision if you want to keep moving forward and maybe you go try somebody else and, and, and then you go, actually, I like the first one. I'm going to go back. Right. Like you right. can, you right. can, you, you can drive options. this. Yeah. It's not like you just have to jump in and be like, I'm locked into this process. 
Um, but there's a tremendous amount of freedom to just be vulnerable and not have to know what you're feeling. That's their job. Their job is to say, hey, here's what I'm hearing. And sometimes you have to say it out loud uh, to actually get some more information for yourself. So I don't know, I kind of equate it to, well, any conversation, like you, you talk things out with someone, you get a lot more information and you work it out. Or for example, if you are feeling super stressed and, and you go work out to burn that stress off, you process that emotion and you work through it or you cry. And at the end of crying, you feel lighter and sometimes you've reframed what you thought you were feeling mm. because all those emotions are actually data. Like that's actually information that you get to work with that reinforms you of, of who you are and what you're going through. So it's all connected. Um, and I think sometimes the, the therapy aspect of it is it's really heavy on emotions. And that's usually the one thing that we're not engaging with, which mm -hmm. is kind of why we're in the position that we're in when we're like, totally. I need to do this inner work, but I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. You you can't not feel like you have to you have to lead with that in order to right. uh, to engage it. So you mentioned a couple of things that I think are important. One, you have to be willing to feel. You have to be willing to to deal with it. You mentioned that in order for you personally to have gone through some of working through some of this inner spiritual formation in your life, adding a therapist, or I have uh, done spiritual direction for some period of time, and people are aware of that. Um, that was so important for me. I needed that and didn't real, realize I needed it until I started to engage in it, right? Um, and then you also mentioned um, friends, being vulnerable enough with people that you're in community with, small group, uh, people at the church, uh, people that you just have deep friendships with, and inviting them into that space. Um, and I would include one more, which I think is synonymous maybe with friends, and that is family, too. Yeah. To include family, um, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, um, you know, to into that same kind of work. Absolutely. Um, I even, uh, oddly enough, sometimes don't give my kids permission, but they do it anyway. They help me with my own inner work because they, they watch what's going on in my life. They see what I'm experiencing. I talk it out in a certain way, and then there's times that, yeah, my 18-year-old will be like, hey, Dad, I think you really need to work through that thing you just told me. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. And he's like, well, but that's, you kind of have to. Yeah. It's on you, and I can't do it for you. It's weird when you're 18-year-old. It's like, I can't do that for you, but you've got to <laughs> do it yourself, you know? Do you take credit um, for that? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Um, yeah. It, Hopefully, I've modeled some of that stuff sure. um, and have been vulnerable enough. But a lot of the times when my kids help me with inner work, um, it's because they see me not do it very well. And then they kind of call me out on it, which, um, you know, I don't want them to do that. I'd prefer they not call me out on it. But in hindsight, I'm super grateful they do. And then it allows me to model for them. Um, this is how I'm working through my own stuff. And yeah, I was selfish there. Or yeah, I need to ask for forgiveness. Um, or I need to adjust my attitude. And those things, when I model them well, hopefully, it inspires them and encourages them to do that same work. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned is that sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable enough, but that the community is around us and is put there because that's part of the work they're called to do. 
Um, it reminded me of the one another's in scripture over and over. It's love one another, those kinds of, right? But it's bear one another's burdens. Well, you can't bear them if you don't know what they are. Uh, encourage one another daily. Well, it's hard to encourage you if I don't know the areas in your life that you need encouragement. Um, all of those uh, commands are, one, commands, we're told to do them, but they're all directed toward the other, as you were describing. So in order for you to fully live out your life, I have to come alongside and do those things with you. And the same is true for me. In order for me to live out my full experience in Christ, I need you and I need my other brothers and sisters. Yeah, I think... I think we hold a double standard with ourselves because if we could take our name and our personality off of whatever it is we're trying to work through or we're struggling with, if someone else brought that to you and asked you, hey, can you listen to me or hold space for me on this? You probably would say, sure. Um, But we often don't extend that to ourselves. Um, And I think in some respect, I've come to learn that it's actually almost... Um, a discredit to your community that you haven't even, I guess, given them the opportunity to show up for you. Mm. Um, because if there's, if there's this work that you have to do and you, you know, believe that Christ is actively working in your life and is with you and for you, um, and is calling you closer to him, is he not going to put you in the right place at the right time with the right people Mm. to be able to, give you what you need. Um, a friend of mine has a saying, uh, you know, everyone's like, well, I don't want to be needy. I don't want to be a burden. And his response is always needy, be greedy, which is just saying like, you never know how your community is going to show up for you right. unless you ask. Yeah. Um, you already have a no without even asking. Right. right. So what do you have to lose? You can either get a confirmation like, Hey, I don't, I can't show up for you like that. Mm-hmm. Or, Hey, help me understand this a little bit more. Thanks for trusting me with this. Help right. me, and then or let me think on it. Let me see what I can do. Or you can ask specifically what you want. Or maybe right. let me like, hey, well, it's, you know, I could do this, and right. maybe it's a compromise. But at least you're getting something, right? Um, and you're not alone anymore in this. You can right. have some support. Yeah, I remember one of the times. This is like a flashback to the past. It just came up as you were talking. Um, I was in my sophomore year of college, just got done, was going on a ministry team for the summer. And um, we went to 12 weeks in a row of camp at different camps all across the East Coast and Midwest. And we were at our first camp. I think we were just outside of like Louisville uh, or Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, we're getting ready for camp. It's the night before like 300 campers were coming. And the group of us that were on this leadership team all met in a cabin. And one of my good friends um, just said, hey, before the summer starts, here's where I'm at. And here's what I'm wrestling with. And here's what I really need to work on. And I feel like I can't be who I'm supposed to be um, this summer and on this team if I didn't tell you that. And man, the floodgates opened, right? I mean, as soon as he said that, someone was like, I'm there for you. And then that made someone else go, well, I've got stuff too, but I wasn't going to unpack it. But now that you've unpacked yours, I'll unpack mine. And it created this like synergy because now we're in each other's stuff for each other. Yeah. And all summer long, we could motivate one another toward 
love and good deeds, as the scripture says, or like motivate us to follow Christ with more compassion and with more desire. And it was all because the door was open to say, I have a need and I need you. And I would highly encourage us as a community to lean into that deeply. Um, A lot of what we're describing can be defined uh, as emotionally healthy spirituality. In New Community, I would encourage you, if you've never read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality or Emotionally Healthy Leader, I would encourage you to look into those resources. They're they're fabulous. Um, but let's chat for a moment. Why is emotionally spiritual or healthy spirituality so essential for us as followers of Christ? Well, I don't think you can go, you can't ask anyone else to go where you've not gone. Hmm. And so if you're not willing to engage your story and do your work, you've tied your hands behind your back. And you, I don't think you can really show up for your community in the fullest sense of, of who you are as a person. Um, I don't know. I think it, it gives you a great opportunity to, uh, I guess, love yourself well and, and saying, I'm, I'm going to do this work. I'm going to step into this. I'm going to address this, face this, um, learn to understand this. Um. You shared a quote with me the other day um, from a guy, I believe, named William James. says this, action seems to follow feeling, but really action and feeling go together. And by regulating the action, which is under the more direct control of the will, we can indirectly regulate the feeling, which is not. The reason I bring that up is because um, I think in faith and in Christianity, at times we get into this like duty. I got to do the right thing. And it looks like this and it's obedience and yada, yada, yada. And so it's do, 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 action, action, action. And we become at times dismissive of the feeling or we go, it doesn't matter if I don't feel like it, I should still do it, right? And we all know we've been taught that from the time we were little, and there is great truth in that, right? But the more um, helpful or the more long-term success would be in, I feel like I want to do that, and I just did it, right? That's far better than I hate to do it, and I still do it. Yeah. The feeling being connected to it is so important. And so for part of me in answering that question is emotionally healthy spirituality is tapping and connecting the doing with the feeling. And if we can match those two, we're in a much better space. Yeah, I would agree. Um, uh, you know, I, I like that quote because I'm a six. And so uh, that's you, Enneagram speak for those yeah, of you sorry. not familiar with Enneagram. <laughs> Which is another great tool for your inner work. I would highly recommend know your number. Uh, you know, I'm very thinking dominant. My feelings support my thinking. I'm doing repressed. Mm. So like action is difficult. That quote for me helps me realize that maybe I thinking I need to do it, but I don't have a feeling to support it because maybe it's so new that mm-hmm. I don't know what it feels like. Sure. Um, so then I don't act because I'm not sure if I trust what I'm thinking. So the idea that feeling and doing actually can go together and Mm -hmm. do go together Mm -hmm. means that I'm going to get information to support my thinking as I step out. It doesn't have to be like fully thought out. Um, And I know my experience isn't true of everybody, but it's really easy to get locked in your head sometimes um, and just be stuck and, Mm. and not sure where to go because you just don't feel confident enough to step out and do it. 
and sometimes just saying I'm gonna commit to take a step in this and then I'm gonna see how I feel about it and yeah. you get new information yeah and, and it, it can help support you as you as you move forward yeah that's good I'm gonna shift gears a little bit um, in week one we kind of talked about the problem and well I don't think it's necessarily true that new community is a group of followers of Jesus that have abdicated our responsibility in spiritual growth and have fallen into a Sunday-only consumeristic kind of expression of faith. I do not think that's the case. I do, however, think it is easy for us in our culture to move to a place, because society allows for this, where I hand off the bulk of the responsibility to somebody else for an area in my life, and then I claim the benefit for that, right? And we don't have to get into all the illustrations of that. I think you can imagine areas in your life um, that maybe fit into that. So why do you think many in Christianity uh, have sought to abdicate their responsibility for spiritual growth? Um, is, do you see that showing up? And then what, how, what do you think the effects are of that? Hmm. I think the well I think it's kind of what you just stated is it, it, I think it's easy to to fall into that consumer mindset where I just show up I take it in audibly visually and whatever sticks sticks and it goes away mm -hmm. and did I feel good about doing it like was the dopamine <laughs> did, dopamine I, get, hit. did I get yeah, a hit right uh, but I also think that sometimes maybe it hasn't been modeled um, for people um, to understand what it looks like to live a life of reflection and introspection um, and a, a life that shares from experiences. Um, I think when that's been modeled well for me is when an individual almost lives from their wounds, hmm. um, the way that they look at the world comes from, I guess, their points of pain and where they've seen Christ show up for them mm. and bring healing yeah. or where maybe the Lord has used you to bring healing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that those encounters, either if you've uh, been his hands and feet or you've had someone do that for you or you've witnessed that happening, um, I think you begin to get a taste of what it looks like to take responsibility for your story and see that, you know, God really does reflect through us uh, in those broken places. Um, and, it, and, and, and he really wants to, like, he wants to take those broken places and turn them into something beautiful for his glory. Um, and I think that's where we, we most often see and experience sort of the redemptive nature of, of who Christ is. Yeah. I mean, as you were speaking, um, you might have heard me shuffling pages in the background. Um, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 3 popped into my mind. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction or woundedness or hurts, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Meaning, God has shown up for you. He's healed you. He's walked you through difficult and challenging times. And part of why he's done that is so that you could turn around and do that for someone else, right? So the experiences we go through aren't just for us. And they aren't just in the moment. 
they're there so we can be set up to be that for someone else down the road. Yeah. Um, when you were talking another, I feel like I'm getting all these like flashbacks. So <laughs> I read a book in college. It's all going back to college for some reason. So I read a book in college that was so helpful for me. There was this one tiny little story or chapter and the author described um, pursuing faith like eating and said that it was almost as if he was writing directly to me. He said, you get a meal on Sunday and you eat it. And then the question is, did you starve yourself all the way until the next week? And if you got another meal on Sunday, ultimately you're going to end up being malnutrished. You're not going to have the sustenance you need to carry on in the faith. And man, it that hit me in that moment because I realized what I was doing is allowing someone else to feed me at a buffet on Sunday and then not taking my own personal responsibility to continue to grow in faith, to continue to feed myself, to continue in a habit of prayer, of scripture reading, of silence, of walks with God, of fasting, of whatever it is that um, motivates you to know and love God more. So don't let it be um, prescriptive, rather those being descriptive of what you might do um, until the next Sunday, right? And so if, if, we don't take up the responsibility and the habit ourselves of engaging in it. Uh, I think in the end, we will not have the resources and the reserves to do the kind of work that God's asking us to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we've talked for a while about spiritual formation and this inner work being intensely personal, that it's in interior, that it requires us to do it on our own and take responsibility, that uh, we have to lean into being emotionally healthy, spiritual people. Um, if if someone's listening to this and is saying, man, I, I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if I want to do the hard work of digging the roots in deeper and being more attached to the vine in order to bear the fruit. Um, how would you encourage someone to do that inner work of spiritual formation? Hmm. It's the kind of stuff that makes me really excited because I really enjoy engaging in people's stories um, because they're so uniquely beautiful and it's such a privilege to be able to, I think, bear witness mm. to something that is so deeply personal. Um, I know consistently when I've had uh, those opportunities, God is there. Mm. Um, it, it's not me like saying these things to these people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on my heart heavy that they know that they are loved deeply and they're worth more than they realize and give themselves credit for. Mm. Um, because that work that you're struggling to know how to engage on, and maybe you've been engaging on it and it, you don't feel like you're making progress, mm. um, it can be really hard. And I think when we hold it in and we decide for ourselves what other people think of it, um, we've really just locked love out. You're not really giving yourself a chance to, to you know, let the, the body of Christ come around you and show up for you in a way that's meaningful. Um, yeah, I, there's an Allender quote that I really like from uh, his book, The Healing Path. It says, uh, we've all faced such moments, times when we recognize anew that we are called to a journey that will shape us and change us. The journey has the potential to heal us or harden us. 
It will harden us if we attempt to do an end run around the desert, valley, or craggy peak where God compels us to walk. It will soften, break, mold, and heal us if we choose to take sorrow and suffering by the hand and walk by faith into the damage of our past, the struggles of our present, and our fears of the future. To make such a choice, we must consciously turn from paths that seem more reasonable. Mm. He goes on to say, in relation to taking shortcuts to our inner work, which is to avoid engaging it, some of life's messiness is avoided, but so is the richness and the joy. Mm. Um, you know, we often avoid the messiness. We don't want to get dirty. Um, you know, and Alder goes on to say, you know, God promises us redemption, but his sacred his sacred past leads us away from safety, predictability, and comfort. And any attempt to fly over the dangerous terrain or make a detour to safer ground is doomed because it will not take us to God. Instead, it leads us to a host of other idols that can't provide us with the confidence of faith, the dynamic of hope, or the passion of love we so deeply crave. Mm. And I just love the way he writes. It's, it takes such a, a complicated topic and a complicated uh, concept and I think it makes it deeply personal mm. because either this challenges you to be like I need to step out this might remind you of when you did an end run and you went around it tried to take a shortcut right you know the whole thing of like I'm setting it aside and then it's back in front of our face again. right right so yeah yeah so you would say don't be afraid step into it yeah um, even when you like Psalm 23 came to mind, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It, it, God's not doing the end around. He's not walking like going, well, even though we skipped the valley of death, you're still going through it, but he's with us in it. So don't be afraid to step into it. Um, if we we're going to give a few other bullet points, you mentioned be vulnerable, yeah. share it with someone, right? Well, and if you're doing this work and and this all resonates with you and you get it, you know, if you're feeling tired, discouraged or weary or just bad, you know, chances are you're working really hard. Mm -hmm. And these are like, these are the road markers of growth development. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the work that sustains your vitality. Um, it, it's easy to, to lean in hard and, and, and not really take credit maybe for how far you've come. Yeah. So if you're, if you're on the journey of that work, you know, great job. Um, you're incredibly courageous, um, and I'm sure you've you've got your community around you and that are supporting you. Um, be sure to take time to pause and actually celebrate and give yourself credit um, for the work that you've chosen to step into. Mm -hmm. And then, as I'm sure you do, you know, thanking the Lord how He supports you and has you know ordained your steps as you as you pursue the work that's mm -hmm. before you. Yeah, the picture that comes to mind, um, and maybe we'll wrap up with this is. Uh, somebody going out on a hike and you would tell them that man take the take the journey go on the hike I mean it's going to be amazing if you do um, but it's going to be steep at moments and it's going to be exhausting and if you've gone a while you're going to be tired and that's a sign that you're moving forward and it's maybe best to always do the hike with others so include others in the journey um, you kind of need a map so don't be afraid to get a therapist or a spiritual director or someone who will come alongside and play that role in your life. And as you do those things, you ultimately get to the end of the path and you look out over the horizon, you see the peaks, the sun is setting, 
and you say, man, that journey was worth it. And then you say, let's do it again, right? Because if it's one area, then it's the next. And the journey never stops until we are at home with Christ or until he comes again. And uh, so new community, I'd encourage you to lean into the journey, uh, continue to walk into it with community. Um, And as Psalm 1 describes, to be a people planted by streams of water so that we do not wither and regardless of the weather, uh, we are able to bear fruit in season. So may we be a community that leans into those things, that does the good inner work. And then next week, we'll talk about what it means to exhibit that fruit, to pass that on to others, to influence others' lives uh, as we continue to live and love. Uh, So love you, new community. Have a blessed and great week. New community, let me leave you with this benediction. May the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with you on the road. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands stretch out your hands to serve. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart open your hearts to love. May you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet, and may everyone you meet see the face of Christ in you. Amen. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.